0: alone in the dark fields of future ireland one bounty hunter sets out to solve an ancient deadly mystery get ready for the adventures of seamus aaron welcome to triple click where we bring the games to you this week we're talking about metroid a series that's both dense and confusing and super straightforward there's a new one out in less than a month and maddie's got all the lore we need to know starting with what's a metroid anyway let's get to it I'm Kirk Hamilton.
1: I'm Maddie Myers.
0: And I'm Jason Shire. Hello. Hi. So nice to see both of you.
2: Football is back. Fall (laughs) is in the air, and we are ready to
0: record a podcast. (laughs) Yeah. Man, you know, I'm I'm so I'm recording remotely um, from Indiana right now, and fall does not feel in the air in Indiana. It is very humid here right now. Mm. Uh, So so football may be in the air. But it is, a, it is quite humid. Yeah, it's it's
2: pretty hot here too. Actually, last night, oh man, you guys will appreciate this. After the the summer we've had between smoke at your place, Kirk, and like my basement flooding and hurricanes, and Maddie, I don't know if you've had any like serious weather problems. Fingers crossed, yet. man. Not gonna I... <laughs> Um Last night there was this thunderstorm that just came out of nowhere, and it thundered so loud that my house literally shook. I've never experienced Ooh, that before. It was terrifying. Spooky. I was worried my windows were going to blow out. Like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was
0: terrifying. That's scary. Um, that, yeah. that, is a, uh, that is a nearby lightning strike. So speaking of lightning, I don't know. Um, <laughs> speaking of weather talk, if you want more weather talk, if you want to support weather talk. There you go. If you want to support us talking about the weather, which is sometimes casual and sometimes terrifying, you can become a Maximum Fun member. And uh, in doing so supports us making this show and also supports the wonderful network that we're a part of. We love all of the members that support our show that we really love all of you. If you can't become a member, that's fine, too. If you want to become a member and support TripleClick, go to MaximumFun.org slash join. That's your URL. There will be some options there. And uh, whatever tier you join at, you get access to bonus episodes of Triple Click and every other Maximum Fun show, but most importantly, Triple Click. And uh, <laughs> we're going to be doing this month, at the end of the month, we're going to be doing a full Half Life Beans cast where we spill the beans on all of the Half Life stuff that's happened, talk about the episodes, talk more about Half Life 2, talk even some about Half Life Alex, what the future may hold for that for that series so that's very exciting but you'll also get a bunch more beanscasts and other bonus episodes that we've recorded over the months so again that is maximumfun.org slash join and thanks again to all of Yay. our members half-life
2: quite a game i
0: finished episode game. two last nice. night quite yeah, a video nice. game.
1: i'm still playing mm. it a lot of a lot of headcrabs and you know yeah. when i think headcrabs <laughs> you know what i think about
2: what what do you think about
1: i think about the movie alien from 1979 Which is great, great film. And then also, just kind of unrelated, like barely tangentially connected to Alien, I think about Metroid, the video.
0: Metroid. Metroid. Yeah. You know, we should do an episode about Metroid.
2: What what do you think about that? Maddie, I have a question. I have a question for you, Maddie. Mm -hmm. What is the
0: deal? With Metroid. Yeah, we should try to answer that. Well,
1: I'll tell you.
0: (laughs) Oh, yes. Okay.
1: Here we go. Here we go. Cue the bass riff. Uh, (laughs) Metroid. Okay, so I have created this outline of all the Metroid games in order for the two of you, but I also have have an additional secret outline with all of the Metroid games in story order because it's completely (laughs) different if you go in order of the story. And I will let you two decide what you want to learn. Do you want to learn the story order of Samus Aran, Intergalactic Bounty Hunter, Metroid Sympathizer, and uh, video game heroine extraordinaire? Or do you want to hear about the Metroid games in order of release? The story from 2D to 3D and back again. Yoshio Sakamoto Uh worked on some of them, but not all, but he's back again for Metroid Dread. They're both interesting stories, honestly. For me,
2: I would I would want to hear what the story. I want like a story refresher to lead into Metroid Dread, which comes out in a few weeks. Mm-hmm. Like I want to know
0: what has happened so far that is setting up the story. That's that we're about to yeah. experience. I think I'm actually interested in that story as well. Though I'm sure we will also talk about the release story of like this series as it's evolved over the years but I too Mm -hmm. as someone who's played some Metroid but not actually as much Metroid as I maybe should have and I think that or at least feel like I should have and I think that may be the perspective of at least some listeners out there so I would also be interested in just knowing what the story is so far and kind of where we're at and where things are at with Samus.
1: (laughs) So you can just settle in for a little bit of story time with Maddie about the life and times of Samus Aran. I'm so
0: excited about this.
1: Sure. Okay. So there are many Metroid games, but... They're mostly 2D exploration games where you run around space in the future as a bounty hunter named Samus. You fight aliens. You collect power-ups. You're wearing... Doesn't
2: hunt a lot of bounties, actually. No, but yes. she doesn't.
1: You know, <laughs> she doesn't. It, 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 she really just hunts these, these certain alien bounties, which the Galactic Federation is and is not against the Metroids, depending on which game we're in. And she is wearing this very special power suit that was designed for her by these alien beings called the Chozo, or at least that's how I pronounce it. There's sort of this issue with all Metroid pronunciations where everyone has their own idea of how each word is pronounced, and there is no agreed-upon pronunciation for, like, Planet Zebes is how I pronounce it, but I've heard it Zebus or Zebus, and any number of other things, Samus Aran. Samus Aaron is what I say, etc. etc. It's I so my apologies to the listener who might hear me pronounce some things and, and think that's not how I pronounce it. Power to ya.
2: <laughs>
0: Aran. I feel like with Japanese I feel like it would be A uh, Aran. Like, yeah, maybe. Aaron. I feel like I said that when I was a kid, though now I think I say Samus Aaron because you did. Or because I've heard <laughs> you say it, Maddie, and I just trust you as the authority. Is the reason for this that a lot of this stuff has never actually been officially said out loud? In a game?
1: That's correct. Yes, that's correct. And that's interesting. There are a few examples of Samus saying some words out loud in Metroid Other M, but that game is disputed enough that I think people <laughs> are willing to pretend that that is not canon. Although sure. there is at least one advertisement for Other M that uh, has Samus's name pronounced Samus Aaron, and I felt vindicated mm. when that happened but hmm, vindicated I've, by an ad there there are equally uh vindicating ads for other games that pronounce it in other ways so it's it's truly hmm. it's 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 a real star wars situation where like you know we we really have no idea and we'll never know because we aren't from samus's world and these are just our attempts to understand it
0: so when you say that it's set in the future is it really set in the future or is this possibly like a- like you mentioned, Star Wars, just a totally it different timeline. It is really timeline. set
1: in the future, okay. yes. Um, I, I believe it is set in a future version of our world, although okay. now that I say that, I'm not sure if that's ever actually been confirmed, but mm. humans have you know, invaded or colonized the rest of the galaxy. Good for us. Humans are so cool. Many, many, many humans live on different colonies all around the galaxy, the universe, and there are many other aliens around, some good, some bad, and... Honestly, the bad guys are not humans. They're space pirates, which is just a name for an evil alien mm-hmm. race that is pretty intelligent, actually, but uh, is not, not quite as intelligent as humans, I suppose. And not as intelligent as the Chozo, who are the good bird-shaped aliens who are pals with the humans. At least some kind of them. Of that. Mm-hmm. So is that, is that enough? I, I guess now we can go back in time and talk about Samus's birthright
0: sure
2: do it well I'm I'm curious as to whether so Nintendo's big series like Mario and Zelda usually they have like individual stories but they don't really care that much about the canon and like making sure lore is maintained from game to game like we don't know if Bowser Jr. is his kid in addition to the Koopa Kids and who the Koopa Kids parents are like there isn't a lot of canon there Mm -hmm. Um, does Metroid have a more consistent canon across all of its games
1: no it doesn't which is part of (laughs) Of what's fun about it. So as I said, there are 2D and 3D Metroid games. Many of the 2D games, not all, but most of them have been worked on by this guy, Yoshio Sakamoto, who is also uh, working on Metroid Dread. And he has his own sort of through line of of all the games he's worked on that if you put just those games together, they tell a pretty consistent story, consistent characterization of Samus as a person. Other M is actually included in that through line because Sakamoto wrote that one as well, controversially. Um, And that's a much more emotional, like traumatized version of Samus. But that is the version of Samus that he's been writing. And then separate from that, there are these retro games, uh, Metroid Prime games, which are three games right. that are written by different people. These are the only Metroid games that Miyamoto worked on and they have a different vibe. They, I really like them as well, but I, I would say there's sort of like Prime fans and then also 2D Metroid fans. And there are, of course, people who are both and then, you know, completionists who also include the Metroid Prime Pinball, Metroid Prime Hunters, et cetera, <laughs> in their lineup. Prime
2: games is notably made in the
0: U.S. Yes, most of yes, Nintendo's in Austin, games. Texas. And, and to be clear... When you say retro, they are a retro game, you mean they are developed by yeah, retro studios. Yeah.
1: they are developed by They are,
0: I suppose, retro. also technically retro maybe at this point. But oh, they actually boy. feel the most modern in some ways. So uh, so yeah, just to, to, That's to clarify depressing.
1: that. Yes, uh, the first Metroid Prime came out in 2002, so it is now a retro game. By I think, Retro yeah, Studios. I think that's
0: probably safe to say. Yeah, almost 20 years. Wow. So I played Metroid Prime uh, back when I was writing for Kotaku. Um, Steven got me to play it, I think, and he and I talked about it a lot. And it was really cool. But that was the first time I'd really played Metroid, like a Metroid mm-hmm. game, as a sort of adult, certainly as a game critic. And that game, I remember there's all this stuff about the Chozo and yep. Samus and her like destiny and how like her armor and the way that they trained that her and stuff. Yeah. right? And There's being magic. like, whoa, like this is such a involved story. But what you're saying is that is only a prime thing and that's not really quite...
1: No, okay, so... The Prime games do have their own individuated story that is Mm -hmm. told over the course of them, and they are kind of mystical in a way that some of the other Metroid games are. There's a little bit of magical realism. For example, Mother Brain, the antagonist, she's a brain in a jar. People have probably at least seen a picture of her. She... At least in the manga, and it's implied in some of the games, has psychic powers and like part of her abilities as an AI/slash actual literal brain. She's she's (laughs) both, allegedly. Uh, is that she can see Samus everywhere she is in like a given level and like see everything that's going on. So she's sort of omniscient in a way that a true AI probably wouldn't be. Like, it's a little bit magical. And Metroid Prime, I would say, is significantly more magical. So apparently... There was an original release of the game that included some story elements that were taken out in later versions. There's a a remake Mm, of mm. the Prime trilogy that came out later and took out a little bit of the magical part of it, which is kind of too bad because it's a little bit fun. But I I think Metroid struggles between how hard sci-fi it wants to be. So there is this prophecy that the Chozo know, and I don't actually know how they find this out. I guess they just... They know it because they know a prophecy that this sure. mysterious being is going to infect their planet, poison their planet. And that does happen. The prophecy comes to pass, and Samus saves them from this weird, uh, like, substance called the phason.
0: Which can
1: create like a version of other beings that's like significantly more powerful. So there's like a Metroid that is all phase on up and that's the Mm -hmm. the Metroid Prime, which I think is the first boss at the end of the first game. And I think the first game teases dark Samus and then she shows Mm -hmm. up for the next two, which is basically like the Metroid Prime looks at Samus and is like. That person looks really freaking cool. I'm gonna copy her powers. I'm gonna absorb her power suit and become the coolest possible enemy. And that. Uh, sort of gears up in the the next two Metroid Prime games and Samus has to essentially defeat herself. The Faison
0: played uh, Ocarina of Time and they said hey we should do that too. It's funny it's such a video game thing because it's partly just how can we reuse these enemy designs that we already have and And make them harder or slightly different. In itself (laughs)
1: um, it was inspired by a very similar fight that happens in Metroid Zero Mission which is itself a remake of the original Metroid game. In in Zero Mission there's a fight um, I think it's called the ruins test where Samus has to like fight against some ruins that disguise themselves as a uh, being that's similar to her. So she's basically fighting a mirror image of herself in these like Chosa Ruins or whatever. And they repeat that theme many, many, many times. Like in um, Metroid Fusion, she fights clones of herself as well. And it just, it, it's, it's a constant theme that she's fighting herself in, in these games. So I'm
0: imagining now, and actually kind of am currently a person who like doesn't know that much about Metroid. And I would imagine <laughs> that I'm already like holding holy shit, what have I walked into here? Because
1: <laughs> I'm so it's sorry. Funny. Well, no, it's it's
0: actually really interesting, right? Because these games are, like, in a way so straightforward when yes. you play them. And they're actually very minimalist in terms of they story. They
1: are. That's why it's fun. But when you that, start talking
0: yeah. about the story... Right. So, how about this? Like, what is a Metroid? <laughs> <laughs> okay, great.
1: Okay, let's start there. Okay, cool. so... I think we can go back to the original Metroid game for to answer yeah. this one and just say there were a bunch of Japanese developers who saw Ridley Scott's Alien in 1979 mm-hmm. and they thought it was freaking awesome. Because, like, it is. who didn't? You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, who didn't go see Alien and just think to themselves, this is the coolest shit I've ever seen? And they just wanted to make a really sweet video game about something that felt like Alien. And they didn't have this female heroine yet, but they liked the idea of these aliens. And so the Metroid bears a lot of similarities as an alien being to the terrifying xenomorph creature in the movie Alien, in the sense that It can suck the energy out of you and like take over you and it It kind of attaches to you very quickly and terrifyingly. And in Metroid two, the game boy title that came out in 1991, you see all these other versions of the Metroids that are much bigger and like more Xenomorph like in size and shape. But when you first see the Metroid, it's like that cute little head crabby guy, kind of mm-hmm. like the the first time you mm-hmm. see the little guy, in alien. Before you realize how terrifying that little scorpion guy is going <laughs> to
0: be, kind of cute. They, they look a little like a Metroid looks a little like a Pokemon. Yeah, yeah it does. It's adorable.
2: It's a little green thing with a red with red ran inside it, and Samus even keeps one as a pet. well.
1: That's right. So what's interesting is that over the course of the Metroid series the Metroids themselves have become somewhat sympathetic characters. And like Mm. Samus actually befriends one of them. And that Metroid, she meets it as a little tiny baby. And so it imprints on her and sees her as its mom. And then Mm -hmm. when it gets a little older, it becomes like this attack dog who helps her out in a fight against Ridley. Um, our mother brain, I think. I don't know. The Metroid is constantly around, helping Samus out whenever she Got needs it. it, like her little uh-huh, pet yeah. dog. Um, and it's great.
2: So okay, Maddie, I'm about to play Metroid Dread. I want to yes. know what the story is. So Metroid Prime is like one branch. Yeah, of the you Prime don't line, even. But... Honestly,
1: if you just want to know Metroid Dread stuff, right. Ignore Prime, which is sad because yeah. Prime rules. Yeah, well, but... so
2: a lot of people I know, a lot of people out there want to know, like because they're about to check out Metroid Dread on the Switch, because it's like a Switch game, and because the Switch is so mega popular this feels like it has the potential to be like a breakout success to people who haven't played Metroid games before so as a refresher what do I need to know about Samus's journey so far and the 2D games to set me up for Metroid Dread
1: okay so I would say if you want to play a couple games before you play Metroid Dread I would recommend Super Metroid if only because it's the greatest game Ever and it influenced every Metroidvania. If you've ever heard that term in your life, it is the greatest game ever. So you nice. could just play that. But what anyway. if I don't want to play them. I just if want you the story. If you right. don't want that and you just want the story, obviously you can watch some cutscenes on YouTube. But you could also consider a game that isn't actually my favorite, but is the game you would want to play before Metroid Dread, which is called Metroid Fusion. So that was originally a Game Boy Advance game. It's another Yoshio Sakamoto game. And it's very story heavy compared to other 2D Metroids. It includes basically all the plot points that you're going to need to know heading into Dread because it is the last chronological story wise. It's the last game that happens right before Metroid Dread. And also it's the game that Sakamoto was intending to create a sequel to At the time. So, like, Mm. you two will remember, even in 2005, there were rumors that Metroid Dread was going to come out and be the sequel to Metroid Fusion and that it was going to be another 2D Metroid, another Yoshio Sakamoto story... And then years and years and years went by, and now we know why the delay happened. It was because those stealth mechanics that we saw in those trailers where these creatures are stalking Samus around, the the, like scary robot creatures that she's going to be fighting, that technology wasn't possible to create well enough for Sakamoto's tastes Mm. at the time. And he just kept really wanting that to be in the game.
0: Crawled into a cryo tube and was like, "Awaken me, wake, when, yeah, wake the me up when the singularity is Switch this many exists. steps closer."
2: Well, and then <laughs> Alien Isolation came out, and it was like, yeah. "Oh man, more alien to be oh, inspired from." Very but, cool. But wait, Maddie, you're giving me homework. I don't want to play Metroid Fusion. Okay, I want to hear so this story. I want Maddie
0: Myers to tell me what happens in Metroid Fusion. And anyone exactly. who doesn't want to know that can just skip ahead. Yep, yeah.
1: totally. Okay, so it's going to sound a whole lot like the plot of every other Metroid I just said. Instead <laughs> <Great>. of Phazon, <laughs> the antagonistic force in this is the X parasite. And very luckily, this is like one of these really old ancient parasites and luckily the Metroids are actually the best way to fight against it. And so... Samus ends up getting infected by this mysterious substance and doctors give her a Metroid vaccine <laughs> and her suit. <laughs> nice. This is why her suit looks so weird in those trailers is because, well, you know, how her suit almost looks like it's part of her body mass. Like this it's is, it's is like this
0: the fusion suit.
1: Yes, this is the fusion suit. Kinda. It's like a version of her super awesome Chozo suit that combines with a Metroid. So it's like Samus herself is part Metroid now. So this is
0: Alien Resurrection. This is like also happens in the Alien series.
1: (laughs) Yes, totally. Um, And um, you may also remember uh, that Samus is part Chozo as well because she was infected with Chozo DNA in order for the suit to work. So she's like- Samus just
0: keeps getting infected with stuff. Definitely
1: not human anymore, which is part of what's so badass about her. So anyway, she manages to- you know, survive everything because she's a Metroid basically now. And when she's wandering around and saving everybody from these ex-parasites, there's She also ends up fighting against herself again in a very similar way to Prime, where she's fighting the S.A.X., which is like an ex-parasite version of Samus, who's stalking her around fusion. And this was the thing that at the time, Yoshio Sakamoto was like, oh, this is really cool. Like this clone Mm -hmm. of Samus is like creepily stalking her. And there's very little of that in the game, but like when it is there, it's really cool. It's just, they couldn't make it that complicated because like the enemy AI isn't that complex at that time. Mm -hmm because, again, mm-hmm. it's a Game Boy Advance game. It's 2002. Right, but, like, only so
2: much RAM on the yeah. Game Yeah, so, like,
1: you can see the beginnings of what he wanted to do with the game, and, like, you get why, oh, okay, this is going to be another game where creatures are stalking Samus. But what's interesting, though is that in this version, these robots are stalking Samus, and we don't know why. My pet theory is because she's actually part Metroid at this point. And mm-hmm. so I think the robots, mm-hmm. which are Galactic Federation robots that are designed to kill Metroids. Sorry, you're
2: saying the robots in Dread. Yes. This is your theory Now about I'm dread. sharing okay. story yes.
1: theories about the future, Got is it. that that's why Samus has to defend herself, is because sure. she herself is now... An alien life form. So
2: wait a minute. So wasn't there also wasn't there also a storyline? I like the theory. Wasn't there also a storyline? I I played a bunch of these games, but never really paid attention to the lore or the story, um, and could not get through other M. Um, (laughs) But isn't there isn't there an ongoing storyline about like Samus taking the baby Metroid with her, having to kill it at some point, or having to abandon it at some point, or something like that?
1: Yeah, I mean, some of that is in other. Is that
2: related to Dread? Like, do I have to know about that for Dread?
1: No. Because the Metroid's okay. already dead by then, sadly. Okay. RIP. So, um, you can go back and play some old games if you want to know about the baby Metroid dying. Uh, the baby's already dead by the time Mother M happens. Uh, actually, she's just like she remembers. Right, it at the and Samus is haunted game. by
2: it. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah,
1: um, I'm trying to remember when the baby dies. Uh, I think it dies <laughs> so in, <wait>. in Super <laughs> Metroid. So is
0: this somebody, like somebody like, should take this clip out of context. When
1: does the baby die? Are
0: there like old Yeller flashback cutscenes where Samus is like? Yeah, trying to explain to the Metroid and the Metroid is looking at her like it doesn't (laughs) understand and then she has to shoot it in slow motion (laughs) yeah basically I mean
1: uh, to me personally that stuff is like not terribly interesting I like okay I'm fine with Samus being a maternal figure and like having this pet Metroid it's all very cute but like other M is very fascinated by that idea with Samus, like her trauma and like her connection to this Metroid and how sad mm-hmm. she is. And that is just a level of emotional involvement with Samus that I don't really feel like I need and it feels excessive to me. But many people felt that way. It's no longer a controversial opinion to hold, so.
0: Yeah, can we talk a little bit about Samus? I'm I'm sure. curious, what do you, so what do you find appealing about Samus as a character?
1: Well, I The first games that I played were also Metroid Prime, Kirk. So the version of Samus that I was first playing is like voiced by Jennifer Hale. She never talks, just like Gordon Mm -hmm. Freeman. She's mysterious and cool. She's a tough badass. Everybody else in those games talks to her and she just doesn't respond. I, (laughs) I liked that you could just put yourself into that character's shoes. I enjoyed imagining myself as Samus. I think part of what I liked about those games is what I also liked about Half-Life 2 so recently is just the fact that it's an adventure. There's a bunch of puzzles as well as just shooting stuff. It's not just like a run and gun Halo situation. There's a lot of actual thinking that you have to do. There's all You turn into the ball and you like crawl around in the passageways. You have to really Mm -hmm. use your brain and then also use your aim. And I like that. I, I just think that's a fun idea, that plus just Samus being a badass in my own mind and heart were right. part of what mattered to me.
2: Mm-hmm. There's something yeah. very lizard brain about seeing something and knowing you have to get an item to
0: come back to.
1: It. Yes. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah, that's that's a pleasing thing about and all these games.
1: I feel like it was also just inherently meaningful to me to play a game that I really liked where you just happen to be a female character and like not Mm -hmm. a ton was made of it in part because it's this futuristic world. There are no characters who are coming to you and being like, oh wow, like a woman is here. And that happens a lot in Other M. And that's part of why I was like, I don't want to keep being reminded of the fact that it's weird that Samus is a woman and like people are surprised that she's doing this. That's unpleasant Mm -hmm. for me. That happens in my real life and I don't care for it i'd rather just have it be accepted that she's an expert and a badass and she has all these superpowers basically and everybody just thinks it's really cool and yeah i dig that
0: there's something i really liked about prime when i played it and that was that she is a silent protagonist but she's like an interesting kind of silent protagonist because there's a there's a difference between her and gordon freeman She's a little bit more present as a character, just sort of overall in the game. There's There are the things like there's... I think I wrote a Kotaku post about this. There's a moment in Prime where you're underwater and you shoot her cannon to activate a a puzzle or something. And when you fire the charged-up cannon, it flashes and you see her face flash back at you in the visor. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's a beautiful, just really evocative moment on its own. But also, like, you see her kind of wide eyes and you... For the first time, or at least I, for the first time, really felt this character that I was playing as in her presence, and kind of as a separate thing from myself. Yeah. And I almost don't get that from Gordon Freeman, or a lot of other silent protagonists that Gordon Freeman is. You know, yeah,
1: master the Chief, sort of model for. Yeah, sure.
0: Like, well, he talks, but like, but he's still kind of not. He's he's kind of aloof in his. Yeah, way. you're
1: right. I mean, but he, but yeah.
0: Gordon is silent. Like Gordon is essentially a non-character like they talk about him like he's a person but you never <laughs> aside from a couple little animations when he cocks a gun but he's perfect yeah. but he's um, the free man well and that's almost the, a joke but right that's part of
1: what's weird about it too right. is that gordon is so good at everything that he doesn't seem human and you're right like right. because you can't see gordon's face ever it right. does dehumanize him. It distances him from you.
0: And there are also, and in Prime, doesn't she write her own journal entries? I'm just remembering this right now. Fusion but might be what that, you're
1: thinking of. Uh, she has some Fusion. journal entries in there because this is, this is I mean, this is part of what I personally don't like about Fusion because it's the beginning of a storyline that would be continued in Other M even though chronologically, mm. Fusion takes place after Other M. Interesting. And so in Other M, there's this character, Adam Malkovich, who's, Samus's former commanding officer when she's a soldier. Right. And they have sort of a weird tension. I think it's kind of debatable as to whether it's like a friendship or a romance. Like, it really depends on which writer is critiquing the game. There isn't like a canonical romance between them, but some people have interpreted it that way. Some people just see him as like a father figure to her. I don't really care what he's supposed to be. I don't care for it either way. But he's <laughs> he's dead at the end of other M. Spoilers for Metroid, I guess, but like he's dead so right. and he this is almost like a Halo thing where they have an AI in Metroid Fusion that is inspired by his personality, which reminds me Um, of how Cortana is, like, inspired by Master Chief's mom or whatever. Oh, that's
0: right. Oh, my God. I (laughs) forgot that. Why is that a thing? Oh, Halo. It's such
1: a sci-fi 2000s video game thing where they're like, what if we created an AI that was, like, based on a character that you met previously? I don't know. So they do that and um, Adam is the AI in Fusion and Samus has some diary entries about Adam and her feelings about him dying but it's super vague and you don't really know what it means at the time and then other m came out and people were like this this relationship between them is really odd no matter which way you slice it and um adam is back again in in metroid dread and people are already like "Why? why is adam here and it's because he's the ship's ai
0: well and this makes me realize that i think one of the big appeals of samus at least for me is that samus is alone samus alone like that's who she is really in these games is she is a lone person on an alien world. And that's actually kind of what makes her feel present to me in Prime is that there's no one else around to contextualize anything she's really doing, like, directly, you know, with dialogue. So it's so about just her and the world, and that kind of makes her feel more real than in, like, Half-Life, where everyone's talking about what Gordon's doing, especially in Half-Life 2.
1: Yeah, and Alex Vance being there changes it so much. Oh, yeah, exactly. Because you have a constant companion. Like, you have somebody who's commenting on everything you're doing, and you have, like, a bestie. And Samus just doesn't... Mm -hmm have the equivalent of that at all. And it really changes things.
0: That's when, and that vibe, like I think about it, uh, Returnal and the way that people would say that Returnal was very Metroid-ish, which it did strike me that way. And that was really the thing about that game more than the mechanics or the whatever. Because when people say, oh, it's like Metroid, they immediately go to the whole talked about a million times Metroidvania game design style, which of course is interesting. But in that game, it's that you're alone and you're specifically a woman in a spacesuit alone on a very weird planet. And um, she spends all of her time talking to herself, you know, the protagonist mm-hmm. of that game, which is also very cool. But there's no one there to talk to her, really, like, throughout the game. And it kind of, that is what makes it feel very metroid Yeah, me.
2: well, uh, they took uh, the lo- the the slogan, in space, no one can hear you scream. They took it literally, and were like, in space, you're, you don't talk at all. No you one may as well not scream, because no one's
1: going to hear you, man. I, like, do, like, think, don't I, think you I do think, do it think
2: that's... Yourself that's what's always been one of the things that appeals to people about the Metroid series is that sense of quiet and foreboding and and horror that only comes with isolation Mm -hmm. Um, yeah I mean thinking about Half-Life it's a useful frame of reference because we all played it so recently but like Alex Vance is with you in both episodes the whole time whereas if she was with you like during Ravenloft in the original game
0: Ravenholm that would
2: not be nearly as terrifying like it's part of the, the, the horror aspect is that you're by yourself and I think that's the case for Metroid, yes. As well, even the 2D games, the original 2D games, where it's kind of primitive looking. Obviously, um, it still still has that sense of like, oh man, like you go up to this power, you get you get a power from this Chozo statue, and it could attack you at any time. Yes. It's got it's got this real sense of horror that I think uh, uh, just was felt revolutionary at the time, and still feels pretty. Maybe doesn't feel revolutionary today, but it's still pretty cool.
1: I think mm-hmm. it is. I'm if, in part because it's been so influential. I I feel like the other right. part of the story aspect that has always been exciting to me is that even though you as a player don't know what's coming, Samus canonically does because she's been to all these places before when they mm-hmm. weren't dilapidated and overtaken by aliens so in theory she knows where all the power-ups are so you finding them makes a certain canonical sense where she's like oh I remember they're going to have <laughs> this oh, that's where and I put that, that more room or grade. whatever <laughs> yeah and I just really like that idea where it's like oh yeah like this was the weird vacation home that we visited when I was a kid mm-hmm. and like here's all these armor pieces that are compatible with my suit that I'm going to like Go around and pick up, and like, oh, I imagine right. if you got flashbacks of her as a kid. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. visiting Zeeves as a kid, like, uh, with
0: her parents. Uh, came out <laughs>
1: that's her situation, she's visiting visiting. That's Zeeves funny, with her. That,
0: and that kind of contextualizes all of those, like, the house I grew up in flashbacks in Returnal as well. Yes, which the game yeah. does do that, uh, throughout it does. And also, I mean, Returnal
1: is much more of a horror game, so like, when she's fighting against herself, proverbially, she's finding corpses of herself everywhere as well which is very metroid except horrific although samus whenever she finds a version of herself it's also horrific you never want to run into yourself in space it's always Mm -hmm. bad you always got to kill them
0: it's basically (laughs) just a bad thing
2: yeah yeah. something i wanted to talk about with metroid um is that is kind of the meta level of the series as a whole because i think it's really interesting that like unlike most big critically acclaimed successful series metroid has gone like ten plus years without any new sequels, and especially yeah. the past two decades, Metroid Prime Three was was two thousand seven, mm-hmm. and then there was other M, which is kind of looked back on with some disdain these days. In twenty
1: ten, f- yeah,
0: a friggin' multiplayer game which was terrible. I played that. Was Federation Force. I've, Oh yeah, I've, I remember Steven Totillo telling me it was good, so I'm going to at least mention that. <laughs> but I never played it. And then
2: Samus Returns came out in twenty seventeen, and that was good, but that was a remake, so it wasn't even like a new. It entry is a in remake, series, so. and it
1: was also a secret audition for Mercury Steam on the part right, of Sakamoto right, to see to if they would dread. be good enough to make Metroid dread for him. yeah,
2: good stuff. but like it's interesting and I feel like this series, um I wrote about this a little bit for Bloomberg. Um, has never had a breakout hit the way that other Nintendo series has, and the way that other like critically acclaimed series have. Mm-hmm. Um, no Metro game, as far as I can tell, has really sold more than like like three and a half million copies or something like
0: that, um, which is pretty low for a Nintendo first party you know? stuff. And yeah. it makes sense when you think about. Metroid compared to Zelda or Mario, it doesn't have the charisma of those series. Right. Even the way that like Zelda, like there's all this stuff where people are like sharing memes and gifts and mm-hmm. you know Link has all these cute animations he does now in the new games and of course Mario and that whole cast they're all such zany characters. Like, they're just really appealing in that way. And Metroid is chilly and silent. And- yeah, it's just in- Inaccessible.
1: Samus does right. not want to get to know you. She's like, wearing a she's helmet. You don't even see her She's visor on. Yeah. Right. Although
2: I do think that her being in Smash Brothers has helped revitalize the series over the years because that has introduced mm-hmm. a lot more people to Samus, who, I mean, a lot more people bought Smash, bought Smash Brothers over the years than True. bought Metroid games. And now yeah, Ridley's right.
1: in it, too. And I think more yeah, people right. are, are looking it. at Ridley and being like, well, who's this dragon guy? What's his deal? And then that makes him curious (laughs) about Metroid. You know,
0: I wonder if part of the reason that more people might be interested in a Metroid game now than ever have been is because during this same period when Metroid itself was pretty quiet, there was this total revolution in games that were inspired by Metroid Mm -hmm. and that took that design style. And we just had like nothing but this run of games that, you know, the commonly called Metroidvania style of game that just continues to the point where there are. I'm getting texts from Russ Brushstick basically every week being like, hey, there's a new game. It's a golf Metroidvania. I think he was just texting <laughs> me about. And, you know, there are so many, like, just this year. I mean, Hollow Knight Song, one of my most anticipated games ever. Like, there's just an endless run of games that have made people remember how fun it is or have kept people aware of how fun it is to play games like like Super Metroid. And so mm-hmm. now when Nintendo is like, hey, we're the originators here were making a new one people are like hell yeah i'm super excited i love these games i play everyone yeah I can. although yeah. it does
2: make you worry like h- after playing hollow knight like can will metro dread compare like can it hold does that up?
0: make you worry it's gonna be great it's gonna be different but it's good it i is, feel like it's it gonna, is gonna be gonna probably be, be pretty good yeah, <laughs> yeah
2: i hope it's i hope it's good i have faith that metro dread is gonna be pretty good but i do think that like like the run of Great Metroidvanias has kind of made it become such its own thing that like Nintendo really needs to 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 blow people away to retake the Metroidvania crown.
0: I do think it's smart that Dread has this unique mechanic like these hunting mm-hmm. freaky robots that are chasing you. Yeah, yeah like, it'll have just a very different that's vibe. That's super different than any of these mm-hmm. other games that sort of just Took the structure. Yeah. It,
2: well, I mean, it's a horror game. It's going to be more of a horror game than your average uh, kind of creepy, like surreal uh, Metroidvania.
1: Yeah. It's just a little sad because technically Metroid Dread is supposed to be the conclusion of the story. Like, that mm. is also what Sakamoto keeps saying is that this is the ending of the story about the Metroids that he had oh. intended to tell. And so, if it is the breakout hit, then. I don't really know where the series goes after this. Well,
2: we know there's a Metroid Prime Four coming, so there That's is like true.
1: But, but I guess you're
2: thinking of the 3D games as a different sort of series. They are, the and
1: they're is. they're written by different people, and I still think they're very good. They're very interesting. They kind of have their own storyline. In terms of Samus's lifetime, the previous Metroid Primes have been set uh, after Metroid, the first one, and before Metroid Two. So. Mm. That's like the specific mm. chunk of time in Samus's life Got where the it. crimes mm-hmm. take snapshot place. Of I Samus. don't know whether or not Prime 4 is also supposedly taking place in that time. She destroyed all the Phazon as far as we know. So mm. Maybe there's some more that she's going to hunt down really quick. Could and always four, be more phase. There can always be more. There can always be some other similar parasitic organism that either combines with a Metroid or doesn't combine with a Metroid mm-hmm. and becomes bad, and she has to fight that, and it's shaped like her, probably. That's always an option. <laughs> These options <laughs> right. are here. They're available right. for any Metroid game creator who wants to use them. But yeah, I'm I'm not sure. I'm not sure where it's going to be set. I feel like Samus's life is quite crowded at this point, and she's fought... A lot of the same stuff or extremely similar stuff over and over again. I'm fine with that, but I'm also, like, aware of how samey those plot beats have gotten. And so for a long time, before Prime 4 was announced, I was like, they should reboot Metroid. They should just Mm -hmm. do a different take on the story and, like... Especially after Other M, I was like, "You should just redo right. this and do the God
2: of the God of War 2018. Yeah, do well or the with Tomb a Raider,
1: or whatever you want to do, like something. I mean, different. God of War wasn't uh-huh. a
2: reboot; it was a sequel. But anyways, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it it, it was, was just called take. God of War, so that counts as a.
0: You know where does that fall on my reboot remake spectrum? Oh, that's actually? an interesting. It's one. just the sequel. No, it's just a sequel. Never mind. That's where it falls. It is, but a sequel. it's hmm. but it's called God of War. That doesn't does matter. Names don't, don't matter. Something? No, hmm. that doesn't count for anything. It's a sequel. Like characters right. from the past okay. games turn up, and the past games all happened in them, so it's a sequel. Anyways, I don't want to. Yeah, and Continue. like the
1: Tomb Raider uh, from 2011 is a reboot. as That's a, re- to a right. sequel, yes. right. which is Stay sort of is up. more what I'm imagining here, where yes. it's like you take right. this character who everyone's extremely familiar with, and Lara Croft, and bring her back, but it's a different version of her, and it's a new version, and we all just kind of accept that this is a different person who's inspired mm-hmm. by the previous one. I was expecting they'd do something like that with Samus. But at this point, I'm like, I guess they're not going to do that. I guess it's just still the same Samus and we're just going to keep going or not. I don't know. It's, it's a weird, weird spot to be huh? in. Maybe she'll
2: die at the end of Metroid Dread.
1: <laughs> she might. She might. <laughs> <It'd
2: be wild. laughs> I mean, that'd be
1: nuts. I mean, there's also, like, an interview where Sakamoto said he didn't consider the Prime Games canon. I think he's, like, walked that back, but there's, like, a pretty spicy quote from him huh. where he's like, I don't acknowledge this. <laughs> and it's... Yeah, well,
2: it's worth noting. You ma- I mean, you mentioned Sakamoto a lot, but the Prime Games were, were supervised by Tanabe, who's another, who's the other kind of, like, the, the, yep. the sibling of the Metroid uh, franchise.
1: Yeah, and I consider the canon i mean i am not in a fight with with anyone about who is and isn't a part of (laughs) samus's history i'm also okay with it if some of the canon contradicts itself like that doesn't really bother me with a series i'm just not a person who cares a lot i just kind of i'm like they're all different refractions of the same idea
0: and there's always a way to like go in a new direction i mean Look at the way that Alien 3 ended, right? I mean, that mm-hmm. Dread could absolutely end that way, given that it's so similar. I mean, she's fused with a Metroid, and in Alien 3, you know, uh, Ripley mm-hmm. was pregnant with a Queen Alien, and it, she yep. could totally die at the end of it. Oh, like, that bully. would. What if they do oh, a man. pregnancy
1: storyline? Oh, no.
0: Okay. Oh, Let's <laughs> hope oh, <laughs> oh, that boy. Metroid Dread is not the <laughs> Alien 3 of the Metroid series.
1: <laughs> that would be depressing, but it could happen. Before happen. we
2: go, I think it's pretty cool that all three of us are like each have a Nintendo series that we're most associated with. Maddie, you love Metroid. I'm a Zelda, Zelda fan over here, and Kirk is obsessed with Nintendo's.
0: <laughs> I was wondering what you were going to say. I was like, "This has got to be." He's setting up a punchline because he's putting me third, and I don't know what he's going to say because it's not going to be Mario.
1: And you didn't know that we knew how into Nintendo dogs you you are because you've never That's brought them up. Dog-
0: you must have seen my playtime. <laughs> I just think it's really
2: cool. I mean, I see the little pause on your screen. Look, right they're now, good you know, Nintendo dogs, you
0: know. All right, what can I say?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I've never played those actually. Kirk you're going to have to do a lore explainer on Nintendo Dogs in a yes, future episode. Yes, what's the deal with
0: Nintendo? In all seriousness, I did play the one on I think 3DS because I I think I got it for free from Nintendo because I was like reviewing are helping review the 3DS. It's a pretty cute game. You pet the dogs. I mean, you pet the dogs with your stylus. Like, what hmm, more can you add? Interesting. Fair. Interesting.
1: Okay. It's, that does sound pretty them. good.
0: You give them <laughs> toys. <laughs> it's, pretty, it's pretty good.
1: Yeah. I hope I've inspired some listeners to check out some Metroid games. I, I still recommend Super Metroid over Metroid Fusion, even though the yeah. latter is the story relevant one for people to pick. I feel like you're fine.
2: I imagine a lot of them are just going to start with Metroid Dread. Like, that's what I anticipate. But you finish, I think that's yeah. fine, too. Yeah. Hankering yeah. for more. Yeah. Then you go and you play Super Metroid. I think that would yeah. be cool. But yeah, let's see. how. I'm um, optimistic the Metro Jet is going to be pretty good. So here's hoping. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I hope so. All
1: right. Well, if you two don't have any more burning lore questions about Samus Aaron, <laughs> then I guess we can take a break and come back with one more thing. We have wasted this world. Our magic put a storm in the sky that has rendered the surface of our planet uninhabitable. But beneath the surface, well, that's another story entirely. In a city built leagues below the apocalypse, survivors of the storm forge paths through a strange new world. Some seek salvation for their homeland above. Others seek to chart the vast undersea expanse outside the city's walls. And others still seek, what else? Fortune and glory. Dive into the Ether Sea, the latest campaign from the Adventure Zone, every other Thursday on MaximumFun.org or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hi, I'm Joe Firestone.
2: And I'm Manolo Moreno.
1: And we host After Game Show, a podcast where listeners submit games and we play them regardless of quality with a dozen listeners from around the world.
2: We've had folks call in from as far as Sweden, South Africa, and the Philippines.
1: Here's an example. Uh, yester Dog, where players must sing a Beatles song but throw in the word dog and dog-related terms.
2: Like, do you have an example, Manolo? Yeah. Hey, dog, 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 bone. <laughs> oh, okay. Dr. Game Show has new episodes every other Wednesday on Maximum Fun. Check us out. Che, ch, 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 ch- check us out. Nice.
1: And we are back for one more thing. I will go first because it'll oh, be hey. quick. Oh, hey. So taking, taking the mine, steering wheel. Mine is a podcast about romantic comedy movies, and it's called mm. You Should See the Other Guy. And it's hosted <laughs> by uh one of my good friends, Samantha Allen, and two friends of hers, oh, nice. Jen and Sadie. She's hilarious. And this the premise of this podcast, as the title indicates, is that they will watch a movie about a romantic comedy and they will try to argue in favor of the person who was not chosen. <laughs> and oh,
0: got it. It's That's cute. They'll,
1: they'll also find other characters in the movie who they think would be a better match for either the protagonists or one another. It's very That's cute. Funny. But mostly it's just a romantic comedy review podcast. I've listened to all the archives, really, really enjoy the show and also asked them if I could guest on the show and they let me. So I was recently on an episode, if people would like to check it out about the movie oh, nice. Enchanted, which is a Disney movie from the two thousands. And it's very funny. I had not seen it in a long time, but I used to watch it as one of my like depression go-tos cause it's so cute and uplifting. Um, so yeah, if, if people want to hear me talk about rom rom-coms uh, you should see the other guy. You can listen to my episode or you can just listen to other episodes cause it's a really fun podcast. That's a
0: great, great premise. It's making me think of the Baxter. Have you ever seen the Baxter? I only know the Baxter by premise, which is the movie about the Baxter is what they call mm-hmm. like the guy who's just the like the boyfriend at the beginning who then gets oh, dumped in favor of the do other this guy. One. Yeah, with Michael Showalter. It's a Michael Showalter movie. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: amazing. I should. Recommend I'm sure they this know it, them. but yeah, 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 yeah. They've done a lot of like they just did 13 Going on 30 and 27 Dresses and like they've done like oh, every man. they did Classics. Groundhog Day. I mean. I mean, it's it's very funny to try to find an other guy in nice, Groundhog nice. Day. By the way, there's like so many other characters in that, but not necessarily. Yeah, there's like the cameraman,
0: yeah, there's like Chris yeah. Elliott, but he doesn't they, count. They they yeah. make a
1: strong case for him. Nice.
0: Oh, I'll <laughs> totally listen to that episode. That's it's a really great fun. Show. It's
1: really fun. So awesome. yeah, I recommend it. Um, Kirk, why don't you tell us yours? All right.
0: Well, mine is a sports one more thing, which what? isn't usual for me. But I spent the weekend watching the U.S. Open, so I am currently. In Indiana, I am visiting with Emily, my fiance's family, ah, which is dropping that in there, little tiny scoop right there. Exciting and also an exciting development in my life. This is going to be on Kotaku next week. <laughs> I'm sure it'll be headline well, news, it's gaming news, uh, um, yeah, big gaming news. It's, you know, it's, it's what everyone news. needs to know. This is my, of course, longtime partner and and now fiance Emily. Uh, we're visiting my hometown as well in Indiana, where we both grew up, but her family now lives. And her family is really into tennis. She played tennis in high school. Her parents both play tennis. They have friends of the family that we were staying with in Michigan for a while who were really into tennis. Everyone was super into tennis. I am not into tennis. Hmm. And I uh decided, well, I'm gonna learn some about tennis and I'm gonna watch the US Open. So while we were watching some of the final matches in the US Open, I had my phone open to a there are actually a surprising amount of websites that just do rules for like Sports rules, like just <laughs> sportsrules.com. And they just explain the rules. And it's very, very helpful to learn the rules of tennis, specifically the rules of tennis scoring, but also just the rules of the game with a whole family full of tennis playing tennis experts. Because, you know, they are always just kind of talking in their tennis lingo. And then I can ask questions whenever I want to. But I tried not to ask questions. I tried to just soak it up and, uh, and learn the scoring. This was a great U.S. Open. So did either of you watch mm-hmm. the U.S. Open at all? A little bit. Um it was Djokovic really, really, is cool. ridiculous. Yeah, Djokovic. So I learned that no one in this family really cares for Djokovic. And it turns out a lot of people don't. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is uh, Novak Djokovic, who was going for a calendar grand slam in this uh, U.S. Open. And he lost in the final to Daniel Medvedev. Uh, and Medvedev actually did a FIFA celebration move where he, like, hit the ground to the side. And he even said in his victory acceptance speech, like, for the real legends out there, that was... L2 plus left or something like that. Like he said, the button prompt. There's a post on Kotaku. I'll link it. It's really funny. Wow. And I actually missed that at the time. (laughs) Yeah. What a nerd. He seems like a really funny guy. Um, so he beat Djokovic, who is the sort of not loved but widely respected, extremely great player. I learned that a calendar Grand Slam is when you win, I think it's four major tournaments, but each tournament is referred to as a Grand Slam, which is very confusing. Anyways, that was okay. That game was actually a disappointment. The semifinal that Djokovic won was really cool. It like went to seven uh, seven sets. That's right. Game, set, match. It went to seven sets. It was very exhausting and exciting. Um, That was fun. But the really fun thing was the Women's uh, U.S. Open. So the final was two teenagers. It was uh, Leila Fernandez and Emma Raducanu. From Canada and Britain, respectively. Both, I think, now are 19 years old. Maybe one of them is 18. But, like, so young. I mean, I think about when I was 19, like, what was I doing? I wasn't winning the US Open, winning like $2 million in the US Open. Um, And just watching them play was so cool. And I'm really taken with tennis's scoring, the way that it works, where there's all this stuff. I won't get into the whole thing, but like I said, you kind of, you play for games and then best first to six games wins the set and then you're trying to win three out of five sets, but then you, if you tie, then you have to go to seven sets. So there's a lot of scoring going on. Like you're scoring within, it's like nestled within itself. Like you're scoring points in that then win you the game that then gets you games that then win you the set and then that gets you the match. And the scoring for each game goes 15, what is it? 15, 30, 30 40. 40 and then you win the game. So it's not even consistent. Well, and
2: then if it's 40-40, it's deuce, and then you have ad It's a deuce, right. So right? yeah.
0: it gets confusing, and it sounds confusing when I say it, but once you're watching it, and you, and now, kind of you, get you get pick up on it, it fast, you Let's get see. it pretty fast. What's cool is, and what I was reflecting on, and then started to think about other sports as well, like football or basketball specifically, is just how designing the scoring system for a game like this is such an important part of the game. Because in tennis, it's totally built around these friction points in the scoring that like make the game slow down and force the players into these like mini competitions a deuce, like Jason mentioned when you're both at 40 within the game you have to win the game by 2 points so you get adv- you can like start to pull away but then the other person can claw you back and you can just go back and forth on the deuce. I think the war, I read yeah. I think I read about a game in the UK that went like 37 resets to the deuce or something, where like one game just took like, I don't know how long that would even be. Um, I think they weren't running a clock, but like two hours or something, you could just go forever if you keep clawing it back and you can never fully get advantage and get away. And it's just cool to think about designing that kind of thing into a game, which is similar to sort of, you know, field goals or the three point shot or two point scoring and free throws and how delicate the balance in this kind of competitive sport is. So anyways, I just thought it was really cool. Um I think I'm going to get more into tennis or at least really enjoy watching tennis. It's such a vicious sport. <laughs> like it's so lonesome that coaches can't even talk to the players and it's just you and this other person and you just have to like <laughs> kill, man. You just have to go for it and it's so manipulative the way they kind of run one another down they said a thing they say about Djokovic apparently is first he takes your legs and then he takes your soul (laughs) so he's like the Baba Yaga and I just I thought that that was uh striking and really true watching it it's like you kind of run your opponent down and then like you try to break their will basically it's really like it's even more intense and vicious than you know boxing or fighting in a certain way like because it's so psychologically intense Really, hell of a sport. Uh, I think there's something to this tennis thing. I feel like maybe more people should watch it. Seems like kind of a big deal. It's going places. So,
2: Kirk, not only do you have to win in, in an individual game, you have to win by two if if it's tied. You also, I believe, it's if the last set is tied, you have to win b- that one by two as well. And that has yes. led to some truly epic matches over the years, where it's yep. like it can go for hours and hours, literally, of yep. games and games and games. So, there was one infamous, iconic match. I think it was Isner Mahout or something like that, um, and then from that came uh, a genius work of art, which is called Seven Days in Hell, which is this fake documentary with Andy Samberg in it and Kit Harrington about oh, like this intense fake tennis match, and it is where they were trapped in that. Yeah, well, they're they're going back oh, and forth the game. Oh, I've never even heard never of that. Ends. Oh, yeah, I'll the totally match watch it. that's the so funny. It's nice. called Seven Days in Hell. I think it's on Netflix or something, but um, it's incredible. You have to watch it. Nice. Now that, that you know great. the rules of tennis, you can go watch it. Killer.
1: All right, Jason. Bring us home.
2: So I was gonna tell a sports story. I was gonna talk about football coming back and this crazy ending to Ravens Ravens Raiders. But you're not going to Yeah,
0: you can't. You won't. Um,
2: I was gonna say that, Kirk. I was about to say, but I'm not going to because Mm, you just talked Mm -hmm, about sports mm -hmm. and you guys vetoed my idea to have a a weekly NFL series. All right, all right. Okay, Mr. Metagaming. Move it along. (laughs) But
1: I do want to hear about what you've chosen instead.
2: um, so let's talk about some video game, Deathloop. Um, Loop. <laughs> so instead, I'm going to talk about one of the biggest games of the year that I've been playing. <laughs> no, okay, We're both Jason, excited to
1: play and haven't yet.
2: Um, yeah. yeah, I I, t- I spent some time playing this game this morning. I spent a couple hours with it. It's pretty wild, guys. Um, I don't want to cast judgment quite yet because uh, I'm still like getting the hang of its rhythms and and how it works exactly. But like, it's kind of like a it's like a supernatural Hitman with like the structure of Outer Wilds. Uh I think that that personally sounds boring and shitty and not like something that (laughs) I'm I'm so excited to play that I cannot wait to get home. (laughs) It's first person. It's like it feels very dishonored in terms of the gameplay itself because you're going around first person. You're sneaking around. You get some supernatural powers. You can get you've get mm, your well, guns. That's
0: not one of my favorite games. So I don't know.
2: Yeah, playing
1: um, something in first person. Not interested. No, nope, there's
2: don't a like lot it. of there's a lot of verticality. At the very beginning of the game, you get mm. a double jump, and then eventually you can get like a a blink ability and like other stuff like that. So there's a lot of uh, double jumping. Mobility. Blink is so bad. Wow, <laughs> All right. just All right. terrible. All right, Kirk. <laughs>
0: Sorry. I'm so excited. I'm just bitter that you're playing it while I'm on vacation.
2: Um, And, um... And the way it works is you're stuck in this time loop, um, so you only have a limited amount of time to do everything, but it's not real time. So basically the game is structured into like four periods. Morning, noon, afternoon, and evening. Um, and each of those periods you can spend as much time as you want. So you're not actually on a timer. But when you leave the area that you're currently in, then it goes to the next time period. So it, it, it is a time loop, but it's not a timer. It's very smart. It's The structure is very cool. And your goal is to kill these eight um, supernatural uh, well people with supernatural abilities called visionaries who are kind of the masterminds behind this time loop and, and have created this this area this world of black grief where people are just living like they have no tomorrow because they don't and they know like if they'll die or whatever happens they'll be reset this is
0: like, like if Andy Sandberg were everybody in mm-hmm. Palm Springs uh-huh. like if everyone was aware yeah it's like
2: yeah it's as if, if some people created this world of Palm Springs and yeah everybody was aware that right. they're in this time Um, And your job as this guy, um, Cole, is to go and break the time loop. And to do that, you have to kill all eight visionaries within a single loop. And that's where it gets tough. And the whole game is trying to figure out, trying to learn enough information and master out enough routes that you can figure out how to do all eight. Like right now, I have no idea how I could possibly do it because like two visionaries, again, I'm pretty early. I'm only a few hours in, but two visionaries both have, both only appear in the morning in different um, areas. So Mm. I'm going to learn enough information about both of them. I'm going to go try to kill both of them on different loops, learn enough information that maybe I'll figure out that actually one of them appears somewhere else at night and that's when I can trap them and get someone else at the same time. And so the goal is to get to plot a path that lets you kill all eight and then you win the game after that um but cool. along the way there's all this micro stuff of like plotting out different routes through levels and like figuring out where dudes are gonna be and sneaking around um all these f- enemies because like every single other person in this world is trying to kill you so you have
0: to get around them and there's also a little bit of a like dark souls quality to this, right? Because you're being invaded by this lady who's trying to kill you, like, controlled by other players.
2: Yeah, so two things that are kind of Dark Souls. One is that this woman is invading you, this woman named Juliana. She, along with you, the two of you are the the only people who remember everything that happens in previous loops, right? So the two of Mm. you retain your memories from loop to loop. So she is, like, will occasionally invade your world and try to kill you. You can play single player, um, where she's controlled by an AI, or you can play online where she's controlled by another player. Or you can play friends only, where she can only be controlled by one of your friends on steam or playstation network or whatever but yes then she'll come in and invade you randomly um the other dark souls element of it is on each loop the game is very forgiving um and it doesn't feel like a roguelike at all really despite the 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 kind of structure of it but um yeah every time you go to a new area and a new time period you have um three tries you can die twice and reset your pro and like you reset a little bit um so it's like you have three lives essentially um and the way it works is as you go you're collecting this thing i forgot the exact name residuum or something like that that is like a, a really useful resource because you can use it to um, to kind of tag or upgrade a weapon or an ability that lets you retain it from loop to loop, so you lose all your weapons from loop every time the loop ends unless you Got use it. this special resource, this special currency to to retain that weapon um, hmm. or ability so like if you if I go and I pick up the blank ability i 'm definitely going to retain it that'll be the first thing I, I try to retain et cetera et etc. Cetera. <laughs> um, And so what happens is if you die... Um, but you still have lives left, your body um, will be in the same place you died with all of the residuum, all that currency. Oh, that on it. Dark Souls, so you have to go get it dark Souls style. Um, nice. And so that's another cool twist overall. It's really awesome from what I'm, I've seen so far, but Man. I- I'm worried it's going to feel a little repetitive once you have to start really repeating things over and over again, which I haven't gotten to yet. So TBD, whether how, how much I, I think there, there's enough clever design in here that I think they found ways to circumvent that and like that that you really don't have to just keep killing the same guys over and over again but um reserving full judgment until I played a bit more and can really jump into it so I'm sure we'll talk about this game more as as you yes. guys have a chance yeah. to play it and that is a safe bet <laughs> there is uh, more to talk about here but yeah really into it so far the aesthetic nice. and the writing and the music it's all it's got a lot of good stuff going for it that um, nice. we can get into another time
1: cool awesome. sounds rad all right well.
2: All right. It's been
1: another episode of Triple Claws, and
2: stay uh, tuned for more weather updates next <laughs> week. We'll, we'll <laughs> we'll wait to see them. what the our climate oh, throws really. us at us. Uh, Hopefully, next nothing
1: nothing happens to me. Uh, that's my wish. Uh, I will see you both
0: next week. See you next week. See you next week.
1: You next week. Bye.
0: Find us on Twitter at TripleClickPod. Send email to TripleClick at MaximumFun.org and find a link to our Discord in the show notes. Thanks for listening. See you next time.